You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good Monday morning. This is the Surveyor's Hour on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Lucas. I'm a land surveyor and attorney at law. We'll spend the next hour talking about land surveying and land surveyors. As always, your questions and comments are welcome. You can send them to Jeff at americaswebradio.com. You can find out more about me at my personal website, www.lucasandcompany.com. Check out our resources there on our website. All right, uh, folks, I am happy to say that we have another uh, great guest uh, going to be that's uh, on the program this morning. Uh, he is John Stahl. John is a licensed professional land surveyor in the states of Utah and Montana, currently owning and operating Cornerstone Professional Land Surveys, Inc., and Cornerstone Land Consulting, Inc., in Salt Lake City, Utah. Mr. Stahl specializes in surveying land boundaries, resolving boundary conflicts, performing title and historical research, land boundary consultation services, mediation and dispute resolution. He has been qualified as an expert witness in numerous boundary access uh, and negligence cases and has actively participated in the preparation of amicus curiae briefs for the Utah Supreme Court. He has furthered his education by participating in state qualified mediation training program, uh, earning recognition as a certified uh, federal surveyor, or CFEDS in other words. Mr. Stahl has served his profession as chairman of the Utah Council of Land Surveyors and a Utah delegate to the Western Federation of Professional Surveyors. He is an adjunct instructor for Salt Lake Community College and Utah Valley University, where he has taught mathematics, ethics and liability, and boundary law courses for land surveying students since 1991. He also is a licensed real estate instructor in Utah. Mr. Stahl received his AAS degree in land surveying from Flathead Valley Community College in Kalispell, Montana, and has authored numerous articles and publications covering topics on boundary law, research, and resolving conflicts of evidence. He has also conducted historical research and written articles on several important milestones in surveying history, including, and I'm going to kill this pronunciation, Unitaw Special Meridian Initial Point, the Four Corners Monument, the Stansbury Expedition to the Great Salt Lake, and the Gunnison Massacre. Uh, John, uh, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jeff. Well, I, I pre- yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Um, I, I don't know exactly how long we've known each other. It's been at least 10, 10 years, right? 10, 15 years? Yeah, at least, I would think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we've we have a lot. We have a lot in common. I often run into people uh, at conferences, and they say, "You know, between you and John Stahl, I've learned more about surveying than I ever, you know, <laughs> than uh, than I ever knew before I got licensed." Right? <laughs> yeah, I get similar comments. Yeah, like, "When did you and Jeff do a conference together?" <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, they couldn't afford us if we did one together. Good thing. <laughs> That's usually the case. Yeah. <laughs> Hey John, uh, I was I was flipping through my emails this morning. This is this is what um, you didn't know we were going to talk about this uh, this morning, but I know you know the gentleman. 
I um, I received an email um, late last week. I was not on the initial uh, the initial distribution list, but Gary Kent forwarded it to me. You know Gary, and uh, the the email starts out: Walt Robillard is turning ninety. His family is not having any special event due to his health conditions and the COVID nineteen social distancing protocols. So they're asking that birthday cards be sent to his home address. Uh, maybe I shouldn't give the home address over the uh, over the air. But anyway, as you know, Walt is an avid reader and has contributed to the surveying profession throughout his career. So they are hoping to have a flood of, of cards providing him with special reading material and contact to the surveying community that he misses so much. Don't worry about getting there for the night. Just send it anyway. Your help to make this milestone special for Walt is appreciated by his family. Thanks in advance. So Walt's turning 90. Um, do you, what, have you, do, do, do you have, uh, or have you, have you met Walt before? Oh, yeah. I've, I've met him on several occasions, uh, even just back in the 70s when I first started surveying, uh, going to seminars and such and uh, running across Walt and uh, doing his presentations. He's always been a, a classic Um and uh, always been appreciative of anything you had to do for a profession. And uh, he's uh, just been a, a, just a downright uh, straightforward kind of surveyor. Um, I've always enjoyed the, the conversations with him. And uh, we've uh, been both back-to-back a couple of times in conferences, uh, once up in Morocco, once over in uh, Illinois, I think it was, um, or in St. Louis, uh, um, and no, I guess it was Illinois. Um, and uh, just had a just always a good time to sit down and, and chat with him and sit with him in the outer sanctums and and really get down to what he really thinks about certain and uh, he's uh, really quite the character he's uh, uh, really been appreciated uh, with amongst the entire profession uh, I don't know if there's that many surveyors around that don't know Walt. Um, yeah, I, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find anybody who doesn't know, who doesn't recognize Walt Robillard's name at least, right? That's right. Um, yeah, yeah they, I think they teach uh, the Bobby Law classes, and uh, the two primary textbooks for that are the Brown uh, Brown's uh, Evidence Procedures and uh, and his uh, Bobby Control Legal Principles books, and those are both uh, kind of co-opted by Walt now, and so. Uh, I uh, kind of keep up with uh, what Walt's up to, and I haven't heard as much about him for the last uh, year or so. And just yesterday, I was kind of thinking about him um, and, and kind of thinking about this what we were going to talk about, and uh, mm-hmm. was kind of wondering what, what he was up to and how he's been doing. Yeah, um, I, I haven't talked to him in a while. Um, I did get a I got a phone call from an attorney who was working on a case uh, in Georgia. Walt was um, helping a surveyor out with a licensing issue, and for whatever reason, uh, Walt sent the guy to me. But uh, you know, I'm not an attorney in Georgia. He needed an attorney, and uh, mm-hmm. so I I turned him on to an attorney in Georgia. But uh, the attorney called, the attorney had conversations with Walt, you know, and, and he had um, he he had. Well, he answered, but I guess it must be somewhat under control. You know, my ninety-three-year-old dad has has prostate cancer, but it's it's mm-hmm. under control. They're not going to mm-hmm. do anything about it at ninety-three years. But no. uh, and he had just he had he had hurt his shoulder of all things chopping wood, and so um, 
I, when I talked to him, he was he was definitely you know not 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 in very good spirits, not feeling very well, and uh, was and I asked him, I said, "Well, are you going to get back out on the trail, so to speak?" And he said, "No, he thinks he's done." So, but he lives right over here in Atlanta, maybe about two hours away from me here. Yeah. Well, he's he was a he is. Uh, still uh, a giant in the uh, in the this small pond we call. He, he's a big fish in the small pond we call surveying and, and mapping. Right? <laughs> yes, that's right. Hey, uh, John. Before we get to our topic, and it's a great topic, uh, we're going to talk about uh, alternative dispute resolution today. And John's uh, John's basically an expert in in that field, and with his experience and training. But I had this, uh, I ran across uh, something else this morning. I was flipping through, and I'm not trying to plug POB necessarily, but I was flipping through POB Magazine, the June edition, and uh, I saw this, uh, well, the headline caught my uh, attention. Threat of delicensure, biggest issue for surveying profession. It's a, it's an interview with a gentleman by the name of Jeff Lovin, who was the recently elected president of the American Society of Photogrammetry and Remote Sensing, let me let me just read you the, the little question they asked in his his initial comment. What do you mm-hmm. think is the main issue facing the land surveying and geospatial profession today? And uh, Mr. Lovin answered, "In my opinion, one of the biggest issues facing the surveying and geospatial profession today is the threat of delicensure. As software and technology advance, and we should embrace and adopt that progress." Some tasks are eased to the point that an outsider is more likely to look at a particular survey or mapping task and say, why do I need a license to do that? What, what do you think? What, what's your, what's your initial reaction? Well, my initial reaction is, yeah, there's, uh, there's some truth to that. Um, there's uh, two sides of surveying that uh, we don't really, we want to try to lump surveying into this one basket, one single basket. And uh, there's the technical side of, of surveying, the mapping, and and uh, and all of that entire industry that has really exploded, especially with the drone technologies that are available, and and uh, there's engineering and software that's available. Um, there's a, a much more of a technical process in that mapping process that really, in my opinion, has very little to do with um, the true. Uh, reason we're licensed, and uh, the way I see that is that uh, surveyors are licensed to specifically to do one thing, and that that only they can do. It's unique to our profession, and that is uh, boundaries, um, boundary survey, determination of where between two landowners, adjoining owners, is their boundary, and then to what extent those uh, those rights may extend and. Uh, what they may have rights to, access issues, those kinds of things, but dealing with property rights and property issues, that's where the the reason we're licensed. Now, because, we're, uh, because we have the technology and the equipment to do the measuring of boundaries and the technical side of boundary surveying um, is what kind of led us into the uh, subdivision design layout and uh, loads and staking buildings and all of the uh, construction type process and which required the uh, fundamental mapping issue principles and techniques 
Um, and so we've been involved in kind of this dichotomous relationship um, with the construction industry and the mapping industry and the technical measurement side of surveying where there's little little to any law that's involved um, as opposed to the boundary surveying side, which is all about the law. Um, very little of boundary surveying even has anything to do with the technical ability to measure uh, the distance between two points. That's a fundamental technical thing that is easily taught and, and, and fairly easily understood. It takes some practice and takes some you know, education experience, but the real application is in the boundary law side. Uh, that's, right. where, that's what makes our profession unique and the reason we have a vice to protect the public in that and that is issue. Right. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah. Go, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, from the ASPRS standpoint, um, which this gentleman's uh, coming from, you know, he's looking at it simply from the technical lens of Yeah, I don't know that there's so much growth in GIS and, and GPS and, and these mapping technologies to drone and aerial things. Uh, anybody can go out and get a drone license and start flying and taking pictures and go process it on the cloud. And, yeah, we need to have uh, some technical education and abilities and training to do those things and develop maps. But uh, it becomes, it's more of the mapping industry at this point than it is the surveying industry, as I see. Right. Uh, John, we, got, we have about uh, 40 seconds left in this segment before we go to a break. Uh, yeah, you, you, you hit on some very important points there. Um, you know, when I when I was coming up in the land surveying profession, we were known as expert uh, expert measures. You know, that was our that was our um, that was our uh, calling call. Who who can't be an expert measure of this of these days? Right. Yeah. The measurement is, is now just been reduced to a technical ability. Um, yeah. And you push the right okay. button and understand the the numbers that you're looking. at. Okay, we're going to have to go to a break, and we'll be back uh, after the break. Thank you. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number. 800-438-0387 or go to quickstake.com that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E dot com and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. And this would be an excellent day to give uh, Parker Davis Quick Stakes a call and order yours. Business is coming back and... There's going to be a lot of business going on, particularly after uh, the storm that uh, is uh, making landfall. And also the other things that have been going on, business is opening back up. So call Quick Stakes today. If you got a pencil there handy, it's 800-438-0387. Quick Stakes. Does your survey supply dealer have Quick Stakes? If not, demand that they start carrying Quick Stakes. Did you know that Quick Stakes are better for your back than your local chiropractor? 
lightweight, and easier to use than the old heavy wooden steak. Order a sample today and prove it to yourself. Quick Steaks, your bike-friendly steak. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back, folks. This is the Surveyor's Hour. I'm your host, Jeff Lucas, and my guest today is John Stahl, professional land surveyor, CFEDS. Uh, he's in uh, uh, he's in Sandy, Utah. Um, contact him on the web if you need um, uh, services from him. Um, John, we um, and, and today's topic we it's which is an excellent topic, by the way. I, I, I usually, for the audience um, um, understanding, I usually ask uh, potential guests to tell me what they want to talk about. You know, I want to talk about what my guest wants to talk about. And uh, you brought up alternative dispute resolution. I just think it's uh, absolutely a, uh, a fascinating topic. I think it's a fascinating field. Could you just kind of give us... Uh, the big, you know, the thirty thousand foot view. Uh, what, what is what is this all about, and why, why is it an important topic? Well, when I first started my my and went out on my own and started my company back in nineteen eighty eight, um, I had really noticed in our profession that we have this tendency to believe that it's our job to. Uh, gather the evidence, go out there and stake this thing on the ground and let it, whatever whatever uh, falls, that's where it's at. I've reached my decision, I make a map, and I'm done. I invoice it, I get paid, and I walk away, and my job is done. And so often we find that um, in the process of laying that, that uh, deed on the ground or, or um, doing that survey, we discover that things don't fit. Um, there's deed conflicts, there's occupation conflicts. There are all sorts of problems that, that surveys will bring to light. And I was involved in a couple of court cases where um, early on um, that showed that there's really so much more to that, uh, the, the impact of our survey that I hadn't really realized. And, and the damage that it can cause to neighbors, to neighborly relationships, um, how they get along with one another. Which is, it's like throwing a hand grenade in the middle of a, of a peaceful neighborhood sometimes. And the uh, seeing that impact on, on these cases really got me to wondering, well, what can we do as a, as, as a surveyor? What can I do to help alleviate or eliminate or to deal with that issue uh, and the issues that are, that are disclosed by the survey. And, uh, and came up with this idea that, okay, well, rather than just finish the survey and show them all their problems, I wanted to look at it and say, well, what can I do to resolve those problems in the process of doing my survey? Once I, once I get the problems resolved, then I can finish my survey I can stake it on the ground, and everybody's going to be satisfied with the results of that survey. Um, I'll end up spending more time, charging more money, um, but I'm giving them a resolution rather than a pocket full of problems. Um, well, yeah, you touched on uh, some, some a lot of uh, important points that I, I think 
um, tell us a little bit, give us a little bit of insight into where the you know the surveying profession is today. First thing is you talked about back in the '80s when you first started surveying. Well, you were doing exactly what everybody else was told to do. What you do is you go. You go out there and survey the deed. You, you put the deed lines on the ground, and if there are any conflicts, well, you just, you know, you let the chips fall where they may, and you just you sent them, you know, off to the attorneys and uh, let the attorneys solve them. But the problem with that, as you know, uh, the attorneys aren't necessarily, and this is no knock on the, I'm not trying to knock the, lance of the, uh, the, the legal profession here, but uh, attorneys aren't necessarily the most well-equipped people to, resolve a boundary dispute short of litigation, are they? That's, that's true. Um, attorneys are not surveyors. They don't understand the survey process. They don't understand ambiguities, how you handle ambiguities, indeed, how you handle uh, ambiguities on the ground. They don't understand the application of legal principles to determine the boundary location. They aren't surveyors. Um, they're attorneys. They're trying to litigate um, and which is to really make the big, biggest puff of smoke that the judge can see to draw his attention to your favor um, or your client's favor. And, um, you know, uh, litigation is this, uh, uh, sets up this opposing uh, um, wall between the two neighbors when, when you back, look back at the 30,000-foot feet level, the... Um, the only people who can fix this problem that they have are the two neighbors. They have to come together, work together to resolve the problem that they have. It's a common problem. It'll benefit, the resolution benefits both of them. And if you throw the attorneys in the mix, well, the first thing they do is file a lawsuit, sue your neighbor like he did this to you, then that's likely not the case. And um, once that lawsuit is filed, those two neighbors cannot talk to one another. Um, they're, they're prevented from talking to one And so it, it ends up with the, the opposite result that really needs to happen uh, to resolve these issues that are exposed by survey. Yeah, uh, you're, you're exactly right. Once the lawsuit is, is filed, I mean, you know, you've thrown the gasoline on the, uh, on the, uh, on the fuel and, and you've lit the match and, and Getting a getting a peaceful resolution may be next next to impossible, but you can talk about that because there are some ways to, to back out of that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, once, once people start, once people at least my my experience has been once people start spending enough money and they see that there's no end to this thing and it's just going to be uh, a money burner, um, uh, you know, to to go you know down to the down to the mat. Uh, on the mm-hmm. principles that are involved, and uh, uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes sanity comes back into the situation, and, and then maybe you can get to, to mediation. But you know, well, one of the th- I, but before we go into that's all alternative dispute resolution. You have some examples you want to talk about, but um, one of the things I see with the attorneys and, and, and when they file the lawsuit, it's always just adverse possession. I mean. They, they don't argue anything else. They go in adverse possession, adverse possession, adverse possession. That's what they because that's what they know. They know if they win the adverse possession case, then they're going to solve the title and the location issue all in one fell swoop, right? Well, that's the end result supposedly, um, but adverse possession is really a title doctrine that's designed to fix title problems, and under rare circumstances, it can fix a boundary issue as well. 
Um, but um, most of the results of the, of the adverse possession cases that I see, um, the end result of the actual judgment just says, yeah, this guy's legal description that he's always had on his deed, he won, so his, he, he holds title to that. And you end up with a legal description that still has unknown or ambiguous locations of the boundary locations on the ground. So they've adjudicated the title, yes, he owns it, but they still have failed to adjudicate up to what? Um, they haven't revised or, re- or reformed the deed um, to now call to along the occupation lines that maybe will possibly work. Um, there's uh, a big failure a lot of times in that final documentation that comes out of these courts that they think they they know what they, they their judgment means, but to us that have to read it years after the fact and try and figure out well, what did they actually adjudicate is oftentimes very difficult um, because they don't they didn't follow it up with a survey they didn't follow it up with new description or right. anything tangible in the in the judgment that tells you where the boundary is on the ground yeah you you, you run into that a lot um, at least you know I do because what what has happened is they spend all their money in litigation, and then there's some kind of resolution that comes out of there, and then there's a court order, and they tell them to go redo the deeds and, you know, refile the deeds and uh, get get a survey uh, of this line. And, you know, not, a lot of that doesn't happen because they they spend all their money in the litigation. You know, and everybody's tired, everybody's worn out, and, and they've spent all their money, and there's... <laughs> Oftentimes, the the the, re, the resolution doesn't actually get put on the ground, as you said. Right. Yeah, I'm involved in a case right now that we're under the third court case um, over the same boundary because the first oh. two court cases failed to determine where that boundary. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm sorry, John. I, I interrupted you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, you, you, you spoke on something here, uh, and I, I didn't know we were going to even talk about it, and I went up to my bookshelf while you were talking about uh, the landowners and resolving boundary disputes. And you're, you're familiar with uh, A.C. Mulford's little treatise, Boundaries and Landmarks, right? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so here he is, and the book I have was uh, copyrighted in 1912, and I'm sure he was practicing mm-hmm. in the late 1800s. And into the early 1900s, I just wanted to uh, quickly read uh, a, a little passage. Now, this is—he's talking about the practice back in the day, back in those days. We got one yeah. minute to a break. This will probably get us to the break. Considering then, this is Mulford. Considering then all the uh, unnes- uh, the uncertainty connected with descriptions of land and the possible and probable errors which may exist in each case, I have been led to the to adopt the my own work. The principle of cumulative evidence. Here he's talking about evaluating evidence, right, back in 1912. It seems mm-hmm. that either rightly or wrongly it is incumbent on the surveyor to collect all evidence in each case and carry this work along the lines of a preponderance of the evidence, of probability, excuse me. In nearly all cases, while some of the data may be either ambiguous or even conflicting, um, there is usually a large preponderance of evidence which points more or less clearly to one solution of the problem, and my own experience containing some few examples leads me to believe that this generally indicates the solution is probably the right one. Now, we're going to we're gonna go to a break. I'd like to pick up on uh, that thought on the other side, if that's okay with you, John. Sure. All right. Quick stakes. 
Does your survey supply dealer have quick stakes? If not, demand that they start carrying quick stakes. Did you know that quick stakes are better for your back than your local chiropractor? Lightweight and easier to use than the old heavy wooden stake. Order a sample today and prove it to yourself. Quick stakes, your back friendly stake. If your health insurance premium is more than your mortgage, Ellen Deal with Ideal Solutions is here to help. Whether you're a small business owner, individual family, or baby boomer, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com, and I'll respond with three easy questions to help you determine if you can get away from Obamacare. As a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry, I'm here to help with all your insurance needs. Email Ellen Deal at MAGA45CAG at gmail.com. Quick stakes. Is your answer to staking lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes? Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quick stakes today. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show? Talk about your business or express your opinion on America's Web Radio. Just email gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get back to you. Thank you. Welcome back, folks. This is um, the Lancerators Hour on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Lucas, and with me, Today is John Stahl, my guest, and we were, uh, John had just uh, read a little passage from Mulford's book, but because it goes right into our topic of alternative dispute resolution, I just wanted to uh, finish up. There's like two more sentences here. So from Mulford's book, Boundaries and Landmarks, I have generally found that this line of reasoning appeals pretty strongly to all parties interested and that there is a uh, general willingness to abide to a decision so reached. The fact that you have been willing to collect all the data possible and hear all sides of the case begets confidence, and the rest is largely a matter of common sense. So Mulford is having, when he's finding these problems that you, that you, uh, um, you know, told us uh, exist in, in, our, in our job back in the 1980s and the 1990s was to go out there and basically find the problems and turn it over to the attorneys. Mulford was doing something else, wasn't he? Oh, he was doing something else entirely. And, uh, and in the writings of uh, many of the early surveyors, uh, um, so the early survey textbooks were clear that, 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 no, the surveyor's duty goes well beyond that. Um, it's not a matter of just doing some deed research and doing some mathematical calculations and some survey measurements on the ground. Um, it's a matter of, uh, you know, one of the real things that speaks to me in that last sentence was, you know, He's talking about the surveyor having communicated and t- sat down and talked with the parties on both sides of the line and working so that the satisfaction of the line itself is, is done by is reached by both parties. 
um, and communicating those results and, and telling both of those parties on each side of the line, here's what I'm looking at, here's what the deeds are saying, here's what the sur- old surveys are saying, here's what the law says, here's what principles are, um, here's the stuff i found and the things you've told me that I've taken into consideration and the things you, the other side has told me that I've considered. And considering all of that, here is what I'm seeing. And in that explanation process, all of the parties involved are brought to an understanding of not only where their line is, but why it's there. And I think that's what brings the satisfaction to us and the uh, But that's a whole step well beyond what we're being taught as surveyors to you know, draw your map, send the invoice, and walk away um, and not explain anything. Um, but John... Yeah, but John, I mean, the pushback you get, and, and I hear it from surveyors, like, well, you're telling, that's practice in the law. You, even attorneys, uh, uh, I have heard the words come out of the lips of attorneys, That's you can't do that. That's practicing the law. It is not the practice of the law. It's practice of surveying. <laughs> it's like you know, I, 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 had, I had some attorneys. I had some attorneys at a conference once, okay, because the local organization tried to get the attorneys to come there, right? Uh, And we were talking about uh, these boundary issues, okay? I was talking about, you know, making boundary determinations. And so we kind of stopped at the end of the presentation and asked for comments. The new attorneys were in the the, uh, audience, and they were, you know, one of the first ones to raise their hand said, you can't, you can't do that. You cannot... Uh, you cannot represent to people that um, that you know th- there's a there's a resolution uh, to this um, you know to this boundary problem there. That's that you know that's the, that's the practice of the law. You can't you can't tell these surveyors to go out there and practice the law. Well, there's a big difference between practicing the law and following the law and obeying the law. Uh, as surveyors, we're taught what the law is. And when I teach three land boundary law classes that go into boundary law much deeper than any attorney will ever receive in a, in a, uh, getting a, plus a, getting a juris doctorate. Um, and the law, it is impossible to know where a boundary line is if we don't have the law that says that's where it is. And every surveyor follows the law every time that they're, uh, setting the boundary line. You can't determine where the line is without it. Um, the whole process of determining the boundary is gathering the evidence, the, the documentary evidence, the, the, the demonstrative evidence, and the, the physical evidence on the ground, and the oral testimony. Um, you gather that evidence, you analyze that evidence, you determine what the facts of the case are, and then based on the facts that certain laws apply and other laws do not apply. When you apply the appropriate law, that determination now becomes the boundary, your, your opinion on where the boundary line is. Um, certainly that opinion is appealable. Um, they can question it. They can get a second opinion. They can go litigate it and get a judge's opinion. They can go talk and turn and get an attorney's opinion for what that may be worth, but they don't know how to determine about it. Um, his opinion is going to be, oh, we need to sue your neighbor. Um, but... It's every boundary that's determined is because the reason it's there is because there is a law that says that's where it is, and the surveyor doesn't have a choice on where to put the boundary. It is where the, the law says it is, and so well, isn't that the? I mean, 
I'm sorry, John. I stepped on you again. What? Are you there? Hey, John, you still there? Uh-oh. I guess we... Did we lose you, John? All right. Apparently, we have lost our guests. Uh, we were just getting into some good stuff there. Um... John, if you can hear me. All right. Okay. Maybe we'll get John back. Uh, so <clears throat> what we were talking about is um, is boundary resolution, practicing the law versus practicing surveying. And, um, you know, I, I agree wholeheartedly with, uh, with, with John. Uh, practicing surveying is not practicing the law. Uh, the, the fundamental difference uh, between the two is... Um, uh, especially with, and we've talked about this on this program before. Uh, a boundary decision is a, is a two-step process. It's the first step is determining what the property is, and that's the legal question in a boundary determination case. What is the property? And that's usually answered by the title documents. Um, uh, the property is the southwest quarter, the northeast quarter, whatever section, township, and range. The property is lot nine of Garfunkel subdivision. That's what the property is. That's a legal question. And, and where surveyors, I, I believe, sometimes get confused is um, is the, the difference between what, what John had said, knowing the law uh, and um, uh, advising on the law. Uh, so the surveyor knowing the law is just fundamental to boundary retracement. That's the question I was going to ask John. Uh, the, the the fundamental principles uh, of of re- the fundamental principle of retracing survey surveying is to find where the lines have no, become established on the ground. John, are you back? I'm back. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, I was I was filling in the gaps, John. I didn't know if you were back or, or get back with us or not. I, I'm so appreciative that you did come back. And I think I was I was stepping on your thought, but let me try to get you back into the thought. Okay, you were describing basically what I would consider to be the fundamental principle of retracing survey, and that is uh, that is uh, finding uh, knowing what the law is. You got to know what the law is, and I mean you can't you can't drive down the street without knowing what the driving laws are, right? That's correct. And so you got to know the law, and then knowing the law and applying the facts to the case in order to determine where the boundary lines are becoming on, established on the ground. I mean, isn't that the fundamental principle of retracement surveying? That is. It's the only way you can retrace a boundary, and the only way you can know where a boundary line exists on the ground. So that's it, it, it's the process that the courts have have decided, and they've been telling us this for for centuries now. Uh, Here is how you determine the boundary location. Um, you know, you look at uh, 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 Justice Cooley's 1881 treatise, the uh, Judicial Function of Surveyors. He had um, mm-hmm. tremendous things about it to tell surveyors, and he had a room full of surveyors at their second annual conference in surveying in, in, for, uh, for surveying an engineering society in the state of Michigan, and uh, stood there in a room full of uh, surveyors in a, in a conference telling them, here's what the courts expect you to do. And he spells out those precise steps. 
Yeah, exactly. And they uh, uh, and they, they, they basically captured the audience. They, they, my understanding is they invited him back to the next conference two years later, and uh, he couldn't come, but he, he sent a, uh, a revised speech that they published in their uh, in their proceedings. Uh, one one thing I hear you know, pushed back from surveyors on is, and you talked about it, you know, court decisions where the courts, uh, prim- uh, primarily the court decisions, have laid down the principles of, of boundary retracement because they're not statutor- generally statutorily driven. They, they they come out of court decisions, but yeah, some surveyors mm-hmm. scoff scoff at the idea of. of of under of reading or understanding court decisions because they they have the idea that uh, you know no no two courts can ever agree. <laughs> I show me a few surveyors that agree. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, matter of fact, the process that the surveyors use to determine the boundary location are the exact same processes that a court uses in the courtroom. Um, they do the exact same process, look at the same evidence, they review the same testimony, they review the same um, information, all for the purpose of determining what the facts of the case are, so that, and then the, the, the attorneys present it to the court, the law um, that fits the facts, and the judge decides what that determination is going to be and where the boundary is. And that's the exact same process. There's really no difference whatsoever. We follow the rules of civil procedure. We follow the rules of evidence. We're using those same rules every time we do a survey. And that's not practicing the law. No, it's, it's we're actually doing the law. We are we are we are the we are the feet, of the eyes, ears, and feet of the court on the ground. Um, and that's not practicing the law. That's obeying the law. Um, if I if I make reach a decision contrary to the law, then I my decision will not stand. My opinion is wrong, and I may be held liable for making an erroneous decision. Yeah, may maybe is in in capital letters maybe <laughs> because you you mentioned something else. You know, you um, surveyors. Um, determinations can can be challenged but there therein lies one of the major problems uh in the surveying profession is rarely are they challenged because nobody has any money to challenge the surveyor's uh, determination right most of them have spent their money already on the survey um and uh, and, and if they're going to challenge the survey they're going to challenge the one that's, that benefits them the least and um they already have a survey so they just accept the fact that one's right and one's wrong, um, when that's not always the case either. Um, they could both be wrong. And right. I often find that in, ca- in court cases, too, that um, or both surveys are wrong. But uh, right. you know, they've already spent their money on the co- on getting the surveys, and they uh, had a hard enough time doing that, and now they've got to drag these attorneys in and involved and... And two years later, they're into it, uh, you know, forty, sixty thousand dollars each, and uh, wondering is there an end to this? <laughs> right, right. You know, we got about fifteen seconds here, John. What we'll, what we'll do is we're gonna we're gonna pick up on that uh, on the other side of the break and get into some of the details of uh, uh, alternative dispute resolution. So, folks, we'll be uh, back with our guest, uh, John Stahl. Uh, here uh, after the break. Quick stakes. 
Does your survey supply dealer have quick stakes? If not, demand that they start carrying quick stakes. Did you know that quick stakes are better for your back than your local chiropractor? Lightweight and easier to use than the old heavy wooden stake. Order a sample today and prove it to yourself. Quick stakes, your back friendly stake. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800 438 0387 or go to quickstake.com that's q-u-i-k-s-t-a-k-e dot com and order your samples ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today you're listening to America's Web Radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com thank you for listening welcome back folks this is the surveyor's hour on America's Web Radio and uh, I, it's my pleasure to have as our guest today John Stahl, a professional surveyor in Sandy, Utah, a conference speaker, uh, columnist, um, and just an all-around great guy, uh, and one who I have learned uh, a lot from um, uh, in this in what we're talking about here. I've learned a lot from John relative to uh, what the duties and responsibilities of land surveyors are, and John, we were just we were just pivoting on that. We're just we're talking about what uh, surveyors can. So listen, so disagreements between surveyors. I mean, well, actually, I wanted to back up and read this fundamental purpose of licensure that you sent me. So uh, let, let me read this. Uh, so John sent me this uh, from New York uh, State. Uh, uh, statutes. Uh, the practice of a profession is a public trust earned through educational preparation, experience, and examination, and a commitment on the part of the practitioner to public service. The professional carries out that trust in accordance with the principles developed through years, often decades, and even centuries of the best professional traditions, and in accordance with state laws, rules, and regulations. Professional practitioners are urged to be always conscious of the very special obligation of public service and of ethical conduct that the privilege of licensure creates. Where where, where did this uh, uh, come from, John? Um, I ran into I did a presentation up in New York, and every time I go into a, a state and do the do presentations, I always research the laws of that state, um, what are their standards of practice, things like that. Um, do they you know planning acts and what statutes do they have in place? What uh, the organization has done, and uh, ran across this. Uh, the, uh, in New York State, the Department of Education is actually the head of their licensure uh, division, uh-huh. and so uh, this is a Department of Education document called the Land Surveying Practice Guideline, and when I read that, it was really quite uh, eye-opening because, uh, you know, it's, it really 
I think, gives us a good portrayal of the importance of licensure and the protection of that, uh, you know, the execution of the public service and the protection of that public, the public mm-hmm. trust they talked about. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so it, uh, I think, was quite a meaningful explanation. And this was about the time they started to make the changes with the ALTA certifications as well. Um, the new ALTA standards have some uh, uh, talk specifically about boundary determination and the legal aspects of applying uh, the legal principles for the de- determination of boundaries. Um, and so that stuff has really been coming to the forefront in the last, well, this is 20 years ago, uh, February from 2000, where this uh, practice guideline was uh, published. So mm-hmm. um, things have really, in the last 20 years, um, I think, really been escalating uh, to the point where um, it's very clear that the Lancers have this duty uh, when, they're, when they're practicing uh, their boundary survey activities. Right. Yeah, the, the, the typical um, NCEES um, statutory purpose for licensing land surveyors generally runs along the lines of health, safety, and welfare of the public. Uh, you know, that's why I'm surveying needs to be licensed. But this goes uh, a little bit beyond that. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it's very it's very well written um, and, a, and a very um, good idea for the practitioner to have in his mind. Now, so, so we get disagreements between surveyors can you talk about you know can you talk about this and and how it um and, and how these disagreements if, if we're supposed to be gathering and evaluating the best available evidence and rendering a well-reasoned opinion on the location of the property lines on the ground how do we how do we get disagreements between surveyors who ostensibly have the same pool of evidence to look at well that's the problem is they usually don't have the same pool of evidence because one or the or both have failed to gather the necessary evidence to determine the boundary location. Um, too often, surveyors um, think that, well, if I just take this the client's deed, I can go lay it out on the ground. Well, yeah, but what about the neighbor's deed on this, that describes the same boundary? Um, is it in the same location? Um, and so there's more deed evidence or the evidence in the title record than just the current deed of the property. Um, then you have the chain of title that supports that deed, where um, if you search that deed back, um, has the language in that deed changed from the original? Um, and we also have to consider that most surveyors look at a, a piece of property as, as okay, I'm going to survey the boundaries of this parcel. The surveyors don't survey parcels of land. We survey boundaries. And that parcel of land, maybe the west boundary of the parcel might be a section line created by the GLO or the 18-whatever. So I'm going to look for evidence of of that GLO line. Well, the south line, well, that might be some interior um, fractional section line, let's say. Um, And, well, I'm going to get other corners and other information and look at at the evidence of how the south line was uh, laid out or has been laid out on the ground and occupied um, maybe they just made it 1320 and said, there it is. Um, well, if that's what they did, uh, doesn't follow the law, but if it's what they did, retracement uh, laws and techniques require a surveyor to make the same mistake so we end up in the same wrong location. And that's how you get stability in boundaries and stability in title. Um, so you south boundary is under another set of conditions. Maybe the east boundary is up against some back line of a subdivision that was done in 1950, 
Um, so we've got to survey that uh, information to find out where that line is. And then the north line might be some other uh, uh, designation or some other boundary might be created by that. Maybe your own deeds created that boundary. So your deed is the best evidence of where that boundary is. But each individual boundary wants to determine, now we can intersect those boundaries to determine where the corners go, and we've done a proper survey. But to take a legal description that says, well, beginning on the section line goes south, it's 1,520 feet to uh, east, um, you know, go north and go west, um, you put the numbers on the ground, and it takes none of that evidence into consideration. That's not a retracement survey. Retracement survey will consider all the evidence. So one surveyor employs one technique, another surveyor looks at some of the evidence on another, on another set of documents, and he employs some other technique, but based on different evidence, to different facts that were determined. Then you change the facts, you change the legal principle that applies, and you end up with a different location on the round. Um, okay, so 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 you're a landowner, and you've got um, you're, you're faced with this disagreement between uh, surveyors. What what are your options? When you got the you you got your survey, the neighbor got his survey. Yeah, let's say that. I, I, my surveyor came out and surveyed my property, and, and then I'm, I'm living in happy, peaceful coexistence, and five years later another surveyor comes out and says, you know, all of this is wrong. Yeah, what, 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 what can I do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now we're, now we're left with this confrontation where it should, the first thing out of the box is it should never happen, okay? Right. Because our standards of practice and our requirements as surveyors, as a professional, and our duties from one professional to the other require that the second surveyor who discovers the problem should stop work, call the other surveyor on the ground and say, hey, I'm doing a survey, I'm following some lines you did a few years ago, whatever, and I don't know that we're coming up with the same answer, I don't know why, let's sit down and talk. And we should sit down, compare field notes, compare... Uh, what in evidence we have, share that information with one another, and make a good, honest, unbiased um, uh, review of the current survey, as well as, um, you know, could be the current survey is right. And the, the other surveyor has just missed some piece of evidence and say, well, gee, did you see this? Oh, yeah, okay, well, we have an agreement. But the whole point is to get the two surveyors together to resolve, to come to one solution as to where that boundary is. Now, that may not resolve the ultimate issue or the ultimate problem, but they, or, you know, they might still have a disagreement from, from uh, one, of the, one or both landowners. But at yeah. least the surveyors can resolve the survey issue on their level because the landowner doesn't know where the problem is. Otherwise, he wouldn't have had to call a survey. Um, and it's up to the surveyors to come to, to make that determination, and we're the only ones who are licensed to make the determination. The landowner can't say, well, here's my, here's my line, here's why, because I think so. Let's just say the surveyors can't agree, or there's no requirement. Some states don't require surveyors to call each other. You know, There's no requirement. For, so so yeah, you're, sitting there, you're sitting there with a potential boundary dispute on your hands. What, what are your options as a landowner? Well, yeah, I was going to make one correction there. The NCWF standards do say you have to, you have a professional to professional uh, um, responsibility to contact them and resolve those. In the, in, the, in, um, in the model rules and laws, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have to attempt, at least to make that attempt. 
Well, if you've made the attempt and you still have two surveyors who are just dog-headedly, adamantly, no, I'm right and you're wrong, um, and and there's the only thing left is to, to allow the landowners to settle the, the, the dispute or the discrepancy. And, uh, you know, like we started out, we, we, you mentioned, you know, we're, we're taught to, to just tell them, well, I'll call an attorney. Well, the attorneys want to start a lawsuit against one neighbor, against, pitted against the other, and um, and now they're prevented from coming to, to resolve the problem. And that's where these alternative dispute resolution processes can come to light, where if the surveyors would stop at that point and go to their clients and, and, say, and sit down the floor of them and say, okay, here's what we're seeing and here's what the issues are, and then you, the only ones with authority to fix the problem is the landlord. They're the only ones that can do it at that point. And you... Are in but they don't, they, ge- they generally don't know they have that power, though, right? Right, because nobody tells them they do. They do. The attorney's not going to tell them that. Oh, well, you, right. you should call your neighbor and talk to them and figure out what you want to do and we'll fix it for, you know, a pittance as opposed to the cost of the mitigation. He's not going to tell them that. Well, they, 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 will, they, they will under one circumstance that I've run into, when, when they don't have any money. <laughs> yeah, they don't have any money, yeah. That's right. well, you can just, just go talk to your neighbor. You guys settle it. All right, we got, we, we got a minute, John, uh, here, and we left a lot on the table here. I, I, uh, is there any, uh, in, in 30 seconds, you got anything else you want to lay on us? Um. Well, I'm more than happy to come back and we can talk about those details another week. Um, uh, just let me know what we want to talk and we can get into those details now that we've laid some foundation here. But uh, it, it's really incumbent upon the land, the land server. There's nothing to prevent the land server from resolving the problem and then documenting the solution. And it doesn't matter whether you go to litigation, mediation, arbitration, you still, somebody's got to document the solution. And at the end of the day, and okay. we have to be at the table to do that as surveyors. We're the ones that's to be able to Right, that's a great place to stop, John. Thank you so much for being on the show, being on the show today, folks. And uh, y'all have a great day, John. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.